Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Chris Gronkowski of iShaker, a high-quality double-wall insulated protein shaker bottle that will keep your drink cold for 30-plus hours. Yes, Chris is part of the iconic Gronk Brothers, and you may have seen him on also ABC's Shark Tank. This is such a fun episode, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Chris Gronkowski of iShaker. Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, I'd like to start out with your upbringing. Uh, where did you grow up, and what would you say your childhood was like? For sure, man. So it was, it was pretty wild. Grew up in Buffalo, New York. Uh, I was the middle of five boys, so I don't know how my parents pulled it off. Yeah. But, um, it was mayhem, man. Uh, I still remember, like, there was no furniture in our house besides a couch uh, and just a rocking chair for, for the other babies in the house. But uh, <laughs> everything kind of just was either broken or became a weapon uh, at some point. So uh, my parents didn't hang anything on the walls. Yeah, there was there's really nothing nice in the house and all the pillows were just ripped off the couch and, and used as uh really just as like a wrestling match is kind of what it came down to. So yeah. Every day started with a fight, ended in a fight, and uh <laughs> it was just a competition with everything we did. Yeah. I'm curious, what kind of sparked like your the the athlete background within your brothers? Did did your family were they involved with sports or where did that come from? Yeah, man. Um Started really with hockey and baseball. Mm-hmm. Our parents got us into those two sports early on. And then uh, everything else just kind of came from competing at home uh, with each other, with friends. We kind of had that neighborhood where everyone seemed to have a boy that was our age. Yeah. Uh, so we end up having you know four or five other neighborhood kids over the house as well. And we just compete in anything from you know backyard baseball. We had a game we called mini sticks we played in our basement. Um, just down to man, like with the brothers, like who could eat more, who could lift more, <laughs> you know, it, really whatever, uh, we were doing somehow became a competition. Yeah, for sure. Well, I saw you went on to study at, uh, Arizona. What led this decision? Was it solely to focus on football? And then also what did you study there? Yeah. So Arizona, I ended up transferring there. I went to Maryland first, mm-hmm. uh, just committed to the university of Penn, got a last minute offer to the, to Maryland. And I took that and, um, from there, you know, I had my brother coming out um, of high school at that point, one of the biggest recruits in the nation. And uh, he took a visit to Arizona and absolutely loved it. I was stuck in a situation at Maryland where uh, I didn't love it. So, hmm. uh, you know, I ended up taking a trip out there myself as well and loved the atmosphere. Um, saw it as an opportunity to turn a program around and yeah, uh, do a couple pool parties and we were sold on Arizona. So <laughs> it was all good, man. Um, ended up going out there. You know, went to the first bowl game that they went to in in over 10 years. And uh, it was a great experience for us. For sure. So what was that experience like playing football with your brother then, especially at the same university? Man, I always tell people, like, that's that's what took us to another level. Yeah. Uh, when you're in the locker room together and you're playing with your family member, like, man, you guys are trying to one-up each other. Yeah. You're, you're trying to, to, to perform because you're going to go into the film room and there's no one that's going to talk more trash to you than your own sibling. So For sure. uh, you had to ball out, man. And and I always thought, you know, every workout we were competing against each other. Uh, you know, every, every practice we were trying to you know, show who was better out of the brothers. So I always thought it took us to a whole different level by playing together. Yeah, totally. I typically like to ask guests when you were in college, what were some of those aspirations that you saw post-college, especially with you? It's, it's unique. You're focused on football. So 
what was that aspiration for you? Was it to go into the NFL? What was that? Yeah, for me, I didn't. I actually didn't think it was uh, even possible for me to go to the NFL. I was told, you know, one in a million chances. Um, I had two brothers that were better than me, so uh, if it was one in a million, you know, it wasn't going to be me. It was going to be one of them. Uh, you know, lucky enough, we all stayed healthy. We we're all able to uh, perform, and you know, four out of five of us played in the NFL. But uh, for me, I just didn't think it was even in the cards. So I went to school thinking. Hey, uh, let's get a free ride. Let's get the best degree I possibly could. Yeah, I was of two football players in the business school at, at Arizona, and uh, I got an accounting degree. Amazing. Just thinking, that, you know, I'm really good with numbers. If anything, um, yeah, I could fall back and uh, on that degree and become a, a CPA or you know something else in the accounting world and, um, and make some good money at least. So yeah, uh, I got lucky. I had one chance, one opportunity, go undrafted to the Cowboys, and, and made the roster and. At that point, uh, once I made it for one year, you know, the goal was three. At three, yeah, uh, you get all the retirements, yep. uh, benefits, you get vested, and that was kind of the goal at that point. Yep. It was, hey, I got one. Um, how do I get three? Let's get three, um, and then let's go and, uh, you know, try to maximize it as long as possible, but then, yep. you know, really put yourself up for a really good start with whatever's next. For sure. Amazing. I'm curious, what was that dynamic for your parents, especially with four boys going into the NFL? What was that like from their point of view, if you can tell me? Man, that was like the proudest moment of their lives. Yeah, that's for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, my parents definitely, you know, they put in the work. I'm a, I'm a parent now myself. And yeah. uh, you don't realize how much time and effort goes into raising kids, raising them the right way and giving them the opportunities that we were given as well. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure they were extremely proud because of all the work that they also put in to help us get to where we were at. But um, yeah. My parents, they, they enjoyed it. They, they loved it. Um, you know, they got to travel around to pretty much every stadium wow. uh, in the U.S. And, and overseas as well. So every once in a while. And um, it really enjoyed the experience. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm yeah. hoping one day I get to do the same. Of course, for sure. So you mentioned uh, the CPA background, accounting background. What did you end up doing then once you stepped away from the NFL uh, pr- prior to Ice Shaker? What did you end up doing then? Yeah, it was crazy because I had this uh, this game plan. Yeah. You know, I, I knew I wouldn't play long in the NFL. Uh, I had this game plan to start doing players' taxes. I realized after my first season that, you know, for the most part, this was the first time guys had a job where they had to file taxes, and mm-hmm. no one had any idea what to do. And on top of that, we also had to file on every state that we played in, wow. uh, making it more complicated than uh, just a normal uh, tax return. So yeah. I went to a CPA and, and I got my taxes done and I realized that they charge a lot of money yeah. uh, to your taxes, especially for different states and um, realized that there's a really good opportunity there. For the most part, guys, you don't you don't get any tax breaks uh, because you make too much money. So you pays out of every single possible uh, tax break. So it's really super simple Yeah. Uh, when it comes down to it. So uh, I knew guys would trust me because I was a former player. I knew how to get in front of them. Mm-hmm. And I figured that would be a really good opportunity for me. So that was the game plan. Uh, yep. My third season, third city, my wife uh, was traveling with me to, to all these different cities and getting a new job everywhere she went. So uh, third year, she said, I'm going to work from home. I'm going to find a way to do it. She started her own business and uh, it took off. So she's doing personalized gifts. Wow. Never thought I'd do it. Um, had no idea about the industry, but came home every day to her uh, just cranking out orders and Wow. started looking at it myself. So when I was done playing my first five years, I worked with her. 
uh, to build her business called Everything Decorated uh, that she still has today. And we grew that uh, from our house to um, to wow. about 10 employees. And wow. Pretty cool. It was, it was making more money than my NFL career. So pretty <laughs> cool start, but realized pretty quickly after about a um, couple phone calls for former teammates that, yeah, I wasn't super passionate about it. I didn't really want to tell them what I was doing for a living. And at that yeah. point, I realized, man, like, I, I want to chase and do what I love doing, which was sports and health and fitness. For sure. Man, uh, that's that's incredible what your wife has built with that and that time. I'm curious. This probably sparked your entrepreneurial spirit and then also your athletic background. This goes into Ice Shaker. What was the inspiration for Ice Shaker at this time, uh, especially coming as an athlete? Yeah, man. So I was I was working for my wife and then I was still working out uh, yeah. pretty much every day. I was here in Texas. It was hot out and I went to the gym and grabbed a plastic shaker. And by the time I got there, the ice in it was melted, sweating everywhere. I took a sip. It tasted awful from the other drink I had in it previously. And uh, that was it, man. That was like that aha moment where uh, you know, I just went home and I was like, there's got to be something that's insulated that I could actually fill, mm. blend and mix powders and easily clean. Uh, and there just wasn't like there's insulated bottles on the market. Yeti yeah. was crushing it. Uh, you know, um, Hydro Flask was out there doing their thing. And uh, there was just nothing that was actually insulated that would blend, though. So yep. uh, at that point, it was, you know, let's do this. Let's make this product for myself. I'm super passionate about it. Uh, and I did. I did. I went out and uh, really just started sourcing product from the uh, manufacturers that we're already currently using for my wife's business. Yeah. Awesome. What did that prototyping process look like for you? Were you testing different bottles in your kitchen and seeing how they would work? What, what was that like? Yeah, man, I had some of the most jacked forearms ever because I was shaking hundreds <laughs> of bottles. You know, the biggest thing was sealing a metal bottle. Um, you know, it's, they leak if you don't do it the right way. Yeah. You got to get the right feel. And um, that became like this mission, like, let's make sure that this bottle, whatever we do, does not leak. So I, I shook hundreds of bottles for months. Yeah. And, uh, it, it was tough. It was tough for sure. But yeah, uh, I would say probably about 20 prototypes later, we finally had a bottle that was good enough to bring to market. Yeah. Um, and at that point, we, we pulled the trigger on it. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far around Chris's entrepreneurial journey. I'd like to pause and say thank you to this episode's mid-break sponsor, Bellroy. Bellroy is the design-obsessed Australian carry brand changing the way that we move through the world. Since 2010, Bellroy has solved some of the most common problems such as fat wallets, you know, the, the trifold wallet that does not fit correctly in your pants. Through B Corp status, purpose-driven business practices, and sustainable material development, Bellroy continues to show the world what better looks like. So as I'm on the go, and I'm sure that you are as well, finding that wallet that's slim, slick, and also stylish is very important. So I highly recommend Bellroy, and make sure to check them out at bellroy.com. That's bellroy.com, and enjoy the rest of the episode. So at those early years, especially with brothers in the NFL, your your own background, did you lean on to kind of that network that you had as marketing in your early stages? And um, I thought it would be easy. Yeah. yeah, I thought I'd throw a couple posts up on uh, on my social media, and it was always like, man, if one percent of people buy, like we'll be absolutely killing it. I'll need more product, and uh, yeah, just not the case at all. Especially when you're building something from the ground up. You know, people have to hear about the product; they have to trust it. They want to see reviews. Uh, they got to see it multiple times. And it just, um, you know, I, I posted that first week and I think I sold two bottles. Really? <laughs> uh, at that point, realized that, you know, this is going to be an absolute grind. Yeah. Uh, so what I leaned on was kind of um, 
the expertise that I learned from my wife's business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used someone else's network at first, which was, you know, for her was Etsy. For me, it was Amazon. Yeah. Uh, I started building my Amazon listing. I just started really researching and studying the top listings and seeing why they were the top listings, Yeah. how I could become the top listing. Um, and I got it up to the three spot with spending $0 on marketing. Wow. Uh, which was, which was pretty impressive. I started digging really into, uh, SEO and, yep. and how I also organically rank on Google and other search engines. And, um, you know, really put a lot of time and effort into that early on when I first built the website and then just started doing shows. Yep. I had to show up in person and really just hand the product to people. You know, the, mm-hmm. the main thing that really sold the product was taking a plastic shaker, yep. filling it with ice, taking our ice shaker and filling it with ice and then handing it to people. And uh, at that time, like an insulated bottle wasn't really that popular. So yep. uh, we handed it to people. They were like, yeah, what's your point? Like, you know, this one's cold and this one isn't. And it's like, well, so that one also has ice in it. Yeah. People would twist the top off and they'd see the ice inside of it and they were just blown away and they'd buy right on the spot. So wow. um, started selling a lot of product for us. And then uh, at that point, uh, it was on the Shark Tank. Yeah. Know, we had enough sales to kind of reach out at that point, how to prove the concept. And um, I reached out and was lucky enough to get a response. I would love to hear about that experience on Shark Tank for you, especially um, kind of with your brothers and that pitching process. What was that like going on show? Um, with your new product, man, the show's the show's legit. Uh, yeah. People ask if it's you know if it's fake or scripted, and it's not in any way. Uh, my yep. brothers they had to hide them in the back room. They didn't want anyone to know um, that they were there. They didn't want the producers or anyone else on set to even know that they were there. Yeah, uh, they showed up, and when they ran out of that back room, like <laughs> the sharks didn't even know my last name at that point. Uh, all they knew was my first name. They're not even allowed to know the name of the business before the pitch. So wow. uh, what you hear in those first two minutes is literally all that they know about you walking into it. And then uh, brothers came out of the back room and it just kind of became this this epic scene. And I think everyone got caught up in the excitement and the really hard questions never came. And I was just <laughs> waiting for Mr. Wonderful to just kind of like tear us apart at that point and yeah. ask what Patton was and what's stopping him from making the Mr. Wonderful shaker. And yeah. Hard questions never came because we were just... I think it was just because we were having so much fun on set. For sure. Uh, but yeah, it was it was legit. Um, you know, we ended up closing the deal. Uh, the money really comes in. Uh, I think after my brother Rob was didn't realize like that they put their real money in, and uh, yeah. he had been on some shows in the past where you know they're they're reality TV and they're not really reality TV. So yeah. Uh, he, he didn't realize that, like, hey, this is the real deal. The money's really going to be wired into the account. And, um, you know, he kind of found that out afterwards because I was so pumped about closing the deal with Mark and Alex. So, yeah, uh, overall, amazing experience. Explodes the business. And for sure, the thing that people don't see is it, it also explodes the amount of work that needs to be done for sure over the next couple of weeks or months or even year. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we probably. I, that first week, I mean, it's a 50 to 100x. I mean, it's, wow. it's out of control. Wow. Um, throughout the next 12 months, we probably overall, uh, probably about 20x the company uh, wow. uh, over the next 12 months. That's incredible. What does, I'm curious, what does the Sharks' involvement look like, especially when you bring them on as an investor? Are they pretty involved or their team? What does that look like? So, yeah, it's with, with Mark, it was uh, his team. Yep. He's built out Mark for the companies. It's about, 15 employees and their whole goal and job is to help out his investment company. So the majority are Shark Tank companies. He does have some other 
companies in his portfolio as well that he's mm-hmm. invested into. But um, you know, if you want to talk to Mark, he will answer an email usually within five minutes. Yeah, uh, it's not going to usually be super in depth unless you you know you call for a meeting or something like that. But I kind of knew what I was getting into when I went on Shark Tank. You know, mm-hmm. this is seventy five thousand dollar investment to a billionaire, yeah. to a multi billionaire. And, um, you know, that's kind of how I, I looked at it and what kind of attention I expected from it. So, yeah, um, his team's amazing. I talk to uh, my advisor almost weekly at this point, sometimes multiple times a week. And mm-hmm. what's really cool about Mark Cuban companies is, uh, you know, first off, the networking. Yeah. You, know, you have another 80 to 100 companies that you can network with. You can ask questions, get an unbiased opinion on pretty much anything. Mm. Um, the second thing is, Man, uh, just power in numbers. Like they're able to bargain some really good deals for us. Yeah. Uh, because they are able to go to a company um, that might specialize in email marketing or mm. SMS or whatever it is, and just say, "Hey, I'll onboard fifty to eighty companies for you, but you know, we as a whole, we want a twenty percent discount." Yeah. Uh, so something that you know saves me a lot of money uh, over time, yep. and it also vets out really good companies. So, a uh, huge advantage to have them on the team for that. Yep. Uh, just having Mark in your company always opens doors. So when you say, you know, Mark Cuban invests in your company, people automatically assume you're legit. Yeah. Uh, even though we weren't that legit at the very beginning. <laughs> uh, so definitely opened up doors, got us into GNC immediately, got us onto QVC, got us onto Good Morning America, um, wow. all just for having Mark on the team. So uh, a lot of really big benefits come from from having one of the Sharks Yep. Uh, but the day-to-day stuff, man, it's still you. Like they're not coming in, they're not taking over your company. Yeah. They're not telling you how to run it. Yeah. Um, unless unless they have to, unless they really need to, unless you're really struggling. Yep. Um, they're there to help. They're not there to take over the company. Yep. Uh, at least at least not unless you really need it, or unless they came in at a an equity standpoint where, you know, they have a majority, then it might be a different scenario. For sure. I'm curious, um, with some of the feedback that you've gotten, what do you see as the main demographic? And I, it's a universal product, but what would you say? Man, it's been super interesting. So super, mm-hmm. uh, early on, like I advertised directly to people that were exactly like me. Yeah, uh, I was, I'm going, you know, for the guy that's going to go crush weights, and uh, I was going to chug protein shakes, and um, found out really quickly that. Even though I might be the end consumer, um, I'm probably not going to be the guy that even buys it. It's yeah. going to be. Uh, the wife or uh, the girlfriend or the mom, uh, even the grandma that might be buying the product for their husband, kids or grandkids. So yeah, uh, found out really quickly that the purchasing power lies with the female demographic for the most part, uh, especially if you're trying to buy or get to someone that's going to buy multiples or rebuy or buy as gifts. Yeah. Uh, so started targeting really everyone to kind of get a bigger view of who it was. And then shows like UVC and um, Good Morning America and even Shark Tank, like mm-hmm. it was majority females purchasing. Wow. Uh, which was very interesting to see. So uh, we then started to create products that were geared more towards females. Yeah. Uh, you know, different colors, patterns, bottles, um, because they were buying, but they weren't necessarily buying for themselves. So we were missing yeah. out on a part of the market. So mm. Uh, switched our strategy. Some of our our, our early bottles uh, were geared specifically towards females, um, yep. and they they did really well for us, and still do. Yep. What would you say uh, percentage wise is in store, and then also online? Say Amazon. Would you say Amazon is solely your business right now? Uh, no. So um, our website will still do more sales than Amazon does. Oh, amazing. Uh, 
So Amazon does, uh, we, we started to focus more on it. The strategy early on was not to use Amazon. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to build my audience. I wanted to see who my demographic was. I wanted to control the narrative and the message. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I wanted people to get our branding and get our experience. So, uh, we didn't stock Amazon very heavy when we aired on Shark Tank and we probably could have sold a lot more product and volume if we did because we sold out on Amazon within 30 minutes. Wow. Uh, but, you know, I wanted to know our customer and, and I wanted to get that database. So, uh, we did, and we did a good job of, of doing that and still do a good job uh, collecting emails and, and data and reconnecting with our customers and sending personal videos and Amazing. Uh, really trying to engage with them. So that's been that's been huge for us. Um, and then we have a good split. We do have retail, uh, yep. GNC, the shop, um, all the lifetime fitnesses, 24 hours. Wow. So it's been, uh, it's been a good mix for us, but um, I would say we're still heavier online than we are in retail. For sure. Awesome. Well, I like to conclude each episode with this. Um, if you can share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you've learned or regret along the way, what would you say that would be? Oh, man, man, for sure. Um, I always say right from the beginning, I say start small. Both businesses I started were small. Yeah. Uh, to start with, uh, my wife started hers with you know, maybe a couple thousand dollars, uh, if even that. Prove the concept and then then go all in. Uh, you know, Make sure it's going to work. You think your idea is the best in the world because it's your idea. Uh, a lot of times it's not. A lot of yeah. times uh, there's not always a, a, a path to success. So, uh, you know, make sure that path is there first, figure out that path and then go all in. For sure. I did something with, with Ice Shaker as well. You know, it was a side hustle, the upstairs of my house. I would do it after hours. Uh, I would ship the product out and answer emails, hmm. uh, do the shows on the weekend. And when it finally got to the spot where you know, it made sense to go all in, I went all in at that point. Yep. Uh, but up until then, like it, it was, it was just a side hustle uh, that I love doing. And you got to be passionate about what you're doing as well. If it's just for money, you're eventually going to get burned out. Yeah. Uh, you love doing it. You know, you're going to get through those hurdles and you're going to figure out a way no matter what to make it successful. So uh, mm. definitely do what you love doing. Start mm. it as a side hustle and, and find a way to, to make it a full time living. Amazing. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. And to the listeners out there, uh, make sure to check out Ice Shaker at iceshaker.com. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small on social platforms and make sure to subscribe to our email so you don't miss anything on Starting Small Summit, more podcast episodes, or our online blog. You can find that link in this description.